Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People always ask about work-life balance, and I'm just going to admit right here, I'm not a believer. But I'll tell you the truth about what it takes to juggle a career and a family and keep everybody happy. I'll also teach you how to keep your focus and how to get over burnout. So listen in. Hey, Barbara, my name is Robert, and I'm in Los Angeles. Um, I just have a quick question. I own a business. I've had it for almost 20 years, um, successful. Uh, It's hospitality-driven, market research, mystery shopping company. Uh, Pandemic kind of hit it hard. Headed back to sales, um, which I haven't had to do in a long time. My question, though, is how do you really keep your focus? Like, with everything going on in the world and how crazy it is, um, how do you stay focused in all of it and really just, you know, drive down that lane? Um, I'm just finding it very difficult lately. It just seems like everything is, you know, throwing me off. Any advice would be great. Thank you. Who did you sell your market research to? You said hospitality field. Like, yeah. give me an example of what you sell to who. So I make sure I understand. Sure. It's uh, restaurant chains, usually like bigger restaurant chains. Um, We've done everything from banks, retail. We have a woman's shoe store that we do across the country. Um, So anybody that's looking for guest feedback, right? So they're trying to figure out how they're doing, how their um, service is, how their cleanliness is. So all of those things. And like you had mentioned once in your podcast about the time for uh, Cousins Main Lobster, getting 30 seconds, getting their lobster rolls out, that kind of thing we also measure. So like if I go up and I uh, order one from, you know, from Cousins Main, and then I say, this is the time that I entered, time I was greeted, time I ordered, and time it was delivered. So that the client can say, we're doing what we should be doing, or here's some areas that we could improve upon. Okay, so of course it makes great sense, Robert, that the pandemic slammed you as the clients, of course, didn't have uh, yeah. A pin dropped on March 20th, 2020. I mean, it was dead. Yeah. And But I did do this, which I was kind of pat myself on the back, is because everybody was um, doing deliveries, like I was ordering food, just like I'm sure everybody else was, you know, doing these third-party Uber Eats, Grubhub, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, I ordered a pizza. It looked like someone threw it against a wall, you know? Oh, when I opened it up and I thought... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I opened it up and I was, and I was, I was like, take a picture, send it to the client. This is what you do for a living. You should do this. I was so hungry, I just ate it, and then I thought you didn't I take should. the picture for God's sakes. No, I know. <laughs> so, but then what I thought is, I go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I created a survey form for my for my clients, and I, it's all about the app so that they know how the app is working. And then I did time of ordering, you know, time of ordering, time of delivery. We did the whole breakdown and then had them take pictures of the food as it was delivered. My clients ate it up. So it was like a whole nother way of being able to make some money during the pandemic. Wow. And so you were able to stay in business because of that new idea? Uh, That and a few PPPs. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it really did. It did. 
it took them a minute because they were like, you know, we've got all these properties. Like I have some really big clients in Chicago, like let us entertain you. And um, there's some biggies that have 124, 25 stores. And when they got hit, they got hit hard, you know, because they've got all of this retail space basically, and they can't make a dime. So they didn't buy into it. But my guys that were kind of medium sized were eating it up. They were just like, give us what we can give us. So, so that helped. That helped. I felt, I felt very. So what did you, are you alluded to focusing as an issue for you? And you said it's very difficult lately focusing. Yeah. Uh, things are throwing you off. Um, give me an example of that. So I have better understanding. Well, perfect. This whole, I, I know this sounds weird, but just the whole Ukrainian thing. I mean, just all, everything that's coming from the world just mm -hmm. seems to be so like heavy. It's just heavy. And it's like, it's, and if, and if I think about it, going back to 2016 with Trump, you know what I mean? Going all the way back there. I mean, it's just been like nonstop. I mean, the election, you know, then you're dealing with the pandemic and a lockdown and trying to like pay your bills and think, I mean, I have money, but it's like, it's still weighs heavy on you. You know, when you're, my business was booming in 2019 and 2020, the first quarter, I was making more money than that I've ever made before. And then when the pin, when, when everything fell, I just, I mean, I literally watched the walls. I just was like, I should really paint the walls. I mean, you know what I mean? There was no business, nothing was going on. Were you in touch with friends on a regular basis or seeing a therapist to get help or to at least use as a sounding board during those very rough early days? I found that people have become so negative, especially in Los Angeles and so overly opinionated that for me, it was almost like I had to just keep everybody at an arm's distance. And I basically had to kind of kind of cuddle down and cuddle up in my condo and just take my time and watch movies and watch Netflix and play with my dog. And that was my rest time. That was my, you know, I don't know how you want to call it, but it was- just, I think that's called saving yourself. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it really How's was. that idea? Did you yeah. have close friends that you co were collaborating with and saying, isn't it terrible out there? How do you feel? I feel I've had, did you have that kind of relationship with certain people where you could vent? I, a little bit, but I, I, they got to be so negative that mm -hmm. I almost said like, it, it, you know what I mean? When you get a bunch of negative people together, it gets really negative. So mm -hmm. I was just trying to be like, let's try to stay positive. Let's try to find. So that's why I did like the survey form. And I kept thinking to myself, how do I, how do I build this business? How do I save my business? I mean, I've, it's been, I've been in business since 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was more like, how do I keep myself sane? How do I keep my business growing? How do I, you know, how do I get through this? And then I, I did, I hung out. I mean, we all drank a little too much wine when we first hit the, you know, the no. lockdown. No. But I had to even pull away from that because people were just drinking a ton and being negative and we were watching the news and it's just a, it was kind of like, so I think that's where my question really came in. How do you block all that out and be Barbara and just focus on the goals and not let that stuff, you know what I mean? Well, of course, I'm happy to share with you. I think you paint a rosier picture than I see it on my end. On my end. <laughs> will be, right? The other guy's got it down before you do. Right. Um, let me say a couple of things. Um, number one, one thing I did during the pandemic, which I never thought I would ever do in my life, is I did right. go for therapy. And you want to know, for me, I had like an image of myself, like if there's anybody who's got their head on straight and helps other people, it's me. So for me, it was a lot about swallowing my ego. I thought, 
me going to ask for help, but I, I found it wasn't that at all. I found it was enormously helpful uh, yeah. because what I was able to do uh, was have a uh, non-opinionated sounding board. <laughs> so somebody I could bitch about, some ah, da, 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 and yeah. somebody would read it back to me in a way that took all the passion and, and nonsensicalness about it. And mm -hmm. so I, I left each session feeling I wasn't, wasn't nutty. Whereas when I went into it, I thought, I'm nutty. It took my nuttiness away. So I think having an, an a, uh, uninvolved person, whether it be a friend, whether it be a therapist, uh, someone who really doesn't have a strong opinion with the wish I should have, you should, you should, um, I think it's enormously uh, helpful in getting over the loneliness of going through a stressful period as we all have in the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if you, it doesn't sound like you had a, somebody you could really dump on and so I would say that uh, could be enormously helpful. It doesn't have to be on a regular basis. I went every other week and I decided to go every week, that kind of thing. My sponsor better help does that kind of thing very well, but you might have a local therapist, whatever. But I think getting a sounding board is very important. Okay, here's what I've learned about you already, okay? Uh, you are, uh, you feel a lot, that's your nature. You know, you're not going to go in and see somebody uh, who just got attacked and is bleeding and just step over them and get your grocery shopping done. You're one of those nice guys out there. Okay. You see something, there's not a big barrier between that something and your skin and your heart. That's my sizing up of you. Okay. So things like uh, the terrible uh, dividing politics that we all went through. Uh, what I did for that solution is I stopped watching the news. I had no idea what went on in the country. I just told my husband who watched it 24 seven and was depressed over it. I said, good enough, don't tell me what's going on, but let me know if we should run for our lives or move to another country. Let <laughs> me know when that comes up and give me a few days notice. But short of that, I have no interest in knowing what's going on, who's grabbing the headlines, forget it, I'm out of here. And I was loyal to that because I like you, am not so thick skinned. I've got a big heart, it's right on my shoulder and my mood, and my drive and my ability to be a positive force in life has so much to do with who I surround myself with and what I surround myself with. So I got rid of all the negative around me. I had one or two obligated friends that I was kind of supporting through the pandemic until I realized they were sucking the life out of me. And I had eight or nine friends who were really uh, very nice to me during the pandemic. I got rid of them, which took a lot of guilt, but I got rid of those clunkers because I realized no, they're sucking me down. I don't have the strength right now to deal with it. Maybe on a better day, but I don't have it now. Okay. So I would say for you, uh, getting an a unbiased sounding board might be very useful because it was to me. Uh, secondly, um, creating barriers around yourself to protect yourself. So far as your business goes, I'm more worried about that. Okay. I'm more worried about your business because I know how hard it is to go back into sales after you've left it. When you build a business and you don't have to do cold calling because referrals come your way, the nature of most successful businesses, they come kind of easily because you've earned it. It's like the fruits of your good labor over the years. When, they, when it stops coming, you've got to go back in the jungle and, and, and hit your beat and, and hit the bushes and get new leads out and everything. When you're not 22 and bushy-tailed and wide-eyed, it's not so easy. I went back to sales when I was 35. I found it outright depressing. And you want to know what I found out? I couldn't even do it. I couldn't even do it. And I was a great salesman through my 20s and early 30s. I just had done it before. It was depressing to go back. And I just didn't have the attitude needed to be successful in sales. And you know, 
how important attitude is in selling. You know, it's half attitude and half reality, right? Okay. So I want to ask you, are you doing well going back into the jungle and beating out sales? You know, okay, you're going to think I'm kissing your butt. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I, I, one day I, I had nothing on my schedule, right? There was nothing to do. And I, I, I was like, I can't. Scary. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, Probably you know, panic. I have a big new Sony TV and I was like, you know, I could say, I was like, no, turned everything off and I put you on and I, I said, you need to listen to her, her podcast. This is your job today. You listen to the podcast until you you can listen no longer. So from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon, I just listened to your podcast. Jesus, and I would have had to have a bottle of wine, gotten drunk. I, I My dog just sat there and was like, okay, we're done with this. But I just sat there and I listened and I listened and it became the positive tape in my head. You know, it, it was like, it just, it made the wheels or the, the gears grind about business, which is what I needed. It just, it made me focus at that. So it really, and I, when I got done at three o'clock, I was pumped. I was pumped mm. to get back into doing sales. So what I ended up doing is that afternoon, I sat down on my laptop, I dug into our database and I started contacting all my clients way back when that may not even be on the program anymore. Oh. And just saying, hey, we're willing to do a couple free evaluations for you. Um, you know, we've done it in the past. We've proven product. Here are what, here's what we're doing now. We've upgraded since then. Mm -hmm. Um, and I started getting leads and I now have some new, yeah. So it, it, trust me, I, I, what you said is spot on. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like you're, you're, when I was young, I was like, yes, let me get all these clients. And I was, I, when we've opened up our doors, I hit hard in the first six months, I basically built the entire business because I just sat down. It was the only job I had. I had a whole room filled with just cutouts of different names of clients. And I looked at them every day and I visualized that they would become my clients and I got them. I know oh, it sounds true. weird, but that's how I did it. It was very visual for me. Would you do that same thing now? I would think, Robert, could you cut out those new clients? I mean, going back to your old clients, a natural place to go, of course. Yeah. Uh, but could you do that with a whole new list of 20 people to target? Yes. But the difference is, which I don't want to say, but in a negative way is I, I have to really submerge myself into it. You know, it, it becomes like, this is what I'm doing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so then I have to kind of let my staff do their thing and I'm very hands-on. So then I have to, you know what I mean? So it's kind of a, I have to figure out how to maybe just do sales during the week. And then on the weekends, make sure everything is getting done business-wise with my current clients. that are. Well, I know when you run a sales organization, what I found got in my way, even though I wasn't direct selling. Mm-hmm. It's always selling involved in, in building mm-hmm. any business. You're selling somebody something, right? Uh, right but right. I would lose myself in administration because I really like things neat, organized, done. Yes. Um, I'm very capable of that. So I, for me, that was a pleasure. And I could le- you know, lose endless hours and improve my company, no doubt. It was a big company, needed improvement all the time. But I would get lost in what I love to do and sales or going out of my desk, out of my office, like visiting my sales offices, rah-rahing people at sales. I would always wait on doing that until I gave myself targets where Tuesdays and Thursdays, I was out of the office, period. I didn't show up in the office. So what did I have to do with myself? I went to the other sales office and rah-rah, da, da, da. I visited development clients at a, because I had to fill my day. And even though nobody was watching me, uh, I forced myself. And that's what, you know, you're more powerful than you think you are, Robert, I think, because what really kicked yourself in the ass was yourself. Uh, It wasn't listening to my podcast. It was you turning off the TV and deciding, you know what? I got to do something about this. I'm going to do a switch here. Okay. So why don't you 
maybe back up a little, uh, take a trip to the mountaintop, whatever your mountaintop is, which isn't in the office, it isn't in your home, maybe the public library, maybe Starbucks, and spend an hour with yourself in a yellow pad and uh, ask yourself uh, two questions. What do you like to do? What don't you like to do? And make sure you get rid of the things you don't like to do. If it's even sales calls, I don't mind it. Mm -hmm. Because you probably have someone else you could start to be a junior Robert working with you to eventually get into sales. Do any of your associates sell for you or you're the king salesman, the rainmaker? I'd be the one. I'd be the one. But that's what I have. A, I have a question for you, which kind of breaks it into three parts. It's about sales because that was something that was also on my mind. Because I did hire a sales guy probably yeah. about three years ago, four years, about four years ago, maybe. I mean, six months, I paid him. I mean, honestly, I could have donated the money to charity. So you tried it, it didn't work. You know you have to be the rainmaker yourself. Yes. Then so, I would make a list of what you could give away on your list of what you don't like to do so that you can have more time for that. Yeah. If you'll really do it. Will you really oh, do I, it? No, I will. Trust me. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm also someone that's like you. I want to mm -hmm. get it done. I want to seal the deal, and I want to move on to the next thing. But I want to make sure that if I've got a salesperson that I'm paying that they're doing what they need to do and that they're on point. No, no, you may. Can I tell you, you may try that again in the near future, but I think you have to get your house in order first. Okay. That's like your house is in order. You're making sales. You got more business coming in and then you look and think, should I add staff? And can I take the risk and how much time is it going to take? I think you have to get your house in order first from what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I think the sheltering of yourself is key and the focusing, I think, is going to naturally happen when you get rid of the stuff. Exactly. And I think part of the stuff also you should always do every six months is what do I love? What do I hate? Try to think how you can give away what you hate to somebody else to do. Because that's what keeps you not in a funk and keeps you fresh in your business. I really do think so. It's normal to get in a funk in a business, even without a COVID. Never mind with a COVID, it's terrible. Yeah. Do you feel like there's like a seven-year positive growth and then we always seem to trip up on something like yeah. in the minute of having like a two do you, do you think that's garbage it's nonsense there's no right. rhythm rhyme or reason the only thing that's important is that when you smell change in the air you try to think how can i capitalize on this versus let it put me in a worse position i think that's important and that has that would be great if you could plan every seven years really nice but i have never found that to be true investing in real estate selling real estate investing in my entrepreneurship companies nothing there's no rhyme or reason the only rhyme and reason is is you leading it what you do with it when the change starts to hit and how quickly you move and how smart you are that i count on all the way and that you can count there's another curveball coming you just don't know when it's tossed out you know? Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, Barbara. Um, my name is Carolina Haas, calling you from Atlanta. I'm just wondering if, how did you balance your professional and personal life? If I'm not mistaken, you have a spouse and two kids and still manage to uh, be considered really successful in business. I'm wondering what kind of um, balancing act did you have and what kind of support you had at home? Did you have a supportive spouse? Did you count on family? 
how did you make it all work? I believe that I am asking this question on behalf of every mother who works full-time or owns a business and is trying to juggle everything, especially now with kids not being able to go to school sometimes. is just very challenging, and you seem to have done it. So if you could share any tips, that would be appreciated. I thought your question was a question that a lot of women would ask, probably half the population. And I've been asked that before, but I'm curious, are you working yourself now outside the, outside the home? I am, but I work in the home. I had to change careers uh, from real estate to sales tech. I run a sales uh, team um, for, for a tech company. Um, so I could do it from home and take my son to school, pick him up in the middle of the day and be home nights and evenings, uh, which, you know, with real estate, that's really challenging, but real estate is my passion. I am a broker owner of an agency that's very small. Uh, and I do plan on returning to that segment of the business when it's possible. I'm a single parent. Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't have a, a village. It takes a village and I don't have a village. So the village is just me. Um, okay. Let me ask you something. When you run a sales team, uh, is it as lucrative as being in real estate sales? I'm curious. No. I mean, I, I cannot complain. They're very generous with their compensa compensation. But as you know, when you own your own business, you cannot compare. Being an employee, I'm probably an employee of one of the most generous companies that there is. Wow. I'm well compensated. And but did you take that position, uh, Carolina, because of your your son? Yes, I did. Yeah, great decision. And so many women wind up doing that, not necessarily giving up their own business, but taking a different position that they're less excited about for the sake of flexibility to be there with your child, especially if you're a single mom. I mean, yeah. it's great that you did that and great that you found it and great that you're not ill content are you ill content doing it or are you happy where it is right now i i'm have I'm, I'm grateful that i had the opportunities to be well educated and driven that i had enough experience to do the shift but mm -hmm. i also know a lot of other single parents that are not in a position to do what i do and they are hustling in such a way especially during <laughs> COVID. and that's where my question was really coming from i just see a lot of parents really struggling. I mean, things are changing and moving in the right direction. Um, but, and yes, I am content doing this, but it's not my number one passion. I really, really miss real estate, but I can be out Saturdays and Sundays. My, my son has soccer games, you know, wow. and I can be out networking for contracts and networking for investors. And, you know, I, he needs somebody yeah. home and I don't have a village. And I've had that question on my mind. My son is 10. Mm -hmm. So I've had this question on my mind for 10 years. I just never had the opportunity to ask someone who I would really appreciate the answer. Well, and I'm going to disappoint you with my answer because in a way I feel like a cheater of sorts. Um, I had 22 years to build my business without having children. I didn't have my first baby till I was 46. My second one adopted at 56. So I had from the time I started my business at 23 to 46, that's even more years than I told you. Yeah, it is. Uh, to build a business without any child to worry about, with no other responsibility than working a 14 hour day and seeing how far I could go. Very different headset 
You know, I kind of had the life of a man in a way. You know, a lot of men will have children. It will be mostly their wife's charge and they'll spend all their time focusing on building their career and they get ahead. Uh, women tend to stop somewhere in between the minute they have the children because their heart's divided, their mind's divided, and their love is divided. It's not that men don't love their children. It's just men don't give up jobs for children. <laughs> I find, you know? Okay. Not. And there's nothing wrong with that uh, because I live that life. I walk that path. And it was great that I didn't have to worry about this stuff. And if I had to worry about being a mom at the same time, I could have never built the business I built. I could have never made the money I had. And I could have never had the focus, which you dramatically need in accomplishing anything. So number one, I really didn't uh, have the same situation as you having children younger. Okay. And so it was much easier. Um, but I can tell you, once I had children at 46, I had a huge business to run. I had a lot of pressure. The number one goal in my heart from the get-go was to be the best mother this side of the Mississippi, just like it was to be the best real estate owner in the world, okay? I had equal goals and they fought in my heart every day. And that's exactly why I gave up my business when my son reached five. I didn't want to miss the soccer games. I didn't want to have, be with him, but be thinking of the deals. And that's how I was all the time. I was never really in the moment because I had so much stuff on my back, okay? So congratulations to you for taking the courage to do what you did and do a switch hit to the left lane. Good for you. You'll have a great kid as a result of it. And you'll not regret that decision at, at all. But I want to return to when I did have to manage two things at once and not so very well, I found that there were two things that made a difference. I divided my business and my home as though there were two parts of a different person. So if, if my kids wanted to call me at work, they never did. They wouldn't dare call me at work unless they were dying. And then they had to promise me the nurse would call instead. And if my husband wanted to reach me during the work day, he wouldn't dare call me. He used to pretend he was in New York Times so he'd get through to me and I'd pick up the phone right away because I couldn't function that way. But when I was at home, you wouldn't dare call me from work, okay? So I cut myself in half and I was great in each function by dividing myself versus blending it, versus blending didn't work for me. The other thing I did is I spent a lot of money on the right help. I remember years where, a couple of years where I was making next to no money, I was spending more money on the babysitter than I was earning. Crazy, okay? But I think overpaying your household help who's minding your kid always is the right thing to do. You get the better person, you retain them better, they're happier, they give more love to your kid. So I do believe getting the right help was essential to make me feel okay. And then the last thing, not to be underestimated, the third one I would say is I didn't feel guilty. I've never met a man who feels guilty for going to work, ever, really. I meet a lot of women feeling guilty going to work because <laughs> they have kids. The men know the kids are at home. They're not guilty. Okay? So I think getting rid of that guilt thing, which is very hard to do if you're a mom, uh, just I have the right help. I'm making the living. I'm paying the bills is a smart way to go. I wanted to mention one other thing. You said you were a single mom. I had a husband, Bill. That makes a huge difference. But for me, it didn't. I'm going to tell you, the couple of girlfriends I have who are single moms raising their kids, this sounds crazy, I think had it better. We used to compare notes. I was always hoping my husband would jump in and help out. And pissed that he wasn't. <laughs> 
he helped out going to the teams when my kid was the hero on the football team, the hero on the soccer team, whatever. He was always there. But so far as planning the meals, the vacations, the school conferences, all the work that go into raising a kid, I did it like a single mom while I built my business. <laughs> And most women uh, are in that position. Uh, I'm saying that only not knocking down the idea of being a single mom, but there are as many married moms and a single moms that are probably less happy than the single moms who know that it's their responsibility. So those are the four, I guess, three or four pieces of advice I could give you. But remember, bear in mind that I had this running start. How lucky was I to build a big, juicy business with departments and people to take care of it? long before I ever had a kid, or it never would have happened. I couldn't have done it with a kid at home at that age. I couldn't have, just no, not, not doable. Very, very important tips. And, yeah. uh, you know, especially after COVID, I think people define success very differently. And, you know- In a more healthy way. Healthy, that's the new wealthy. And it, so- I hadn't heard that, it's a good one. Healthy is the new wealthy, yes. You know, I'm trying to understand and, to go out there and uh, Sarah Blatley is like a very successful mother in Atlanta. And she has, I think four kids, Yes, which is where I live. Um, and you know, you and her are two people that I've been wanting to ask that question. Mm, I'd be curious her answer on that. Cause she had her kids earlier, I think. She's very hands-on. Um, mm. And so people are trying to achieve different levels of success. Yes, I would have loved to have a real estate company in New York and it sold my business for as much as you sold yours. That would have been lovely. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to raise my son to be a good human being and to be healthy in the process. I'm not necessarily aiming for a, a, a monetary compensation. If that, Although I do put a price on my hours and days and what I do isn't intentional when I am working. Yeah. But it's not my end goal to be measured against other people's successes, if that yeah. makes sense. It sounds like you have your act together, you know what you're doing. I would just suggest to you that you're very young. After your son is 10 now, by the time he's 16, he won't want to hang out with you. Trust me, maybe 14 if he finds a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but when that happens, um, you will have the full dedication to apply whatever you want in business. And you can, if you choose to, because you're capable, uh, make as much money as you want and accomplish as much as you want in the professional field. But for now, I would say I'm looking at a lady who has got her priorities on straight. Hey, Barbara, my name is Tim. I'm calling from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I have a question for you about when uh, advice for entrepreneurs and people building businesses that are in the middle of the long haul, like the hard work that it takes to make a business from startup in the middle um, ramp up through successful what do you do for mental health? Um, burnout is a very real thing, and I've flirted with that um, on several occasions. I've recently started to meditate, but it's too early for me to see the benefits of it yet. Also, I make sure not to neglect my physical activity, but um, other suggestions would be greatly helpful and things that you've seen work both in your career and in the companies that you foster. Uh, thanks so much, Barbara. I appreciate your time. So you said you're in the middle ground of building your business. That's uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. So how long have you been in business and what do you do? I just yeah, to that's correct. So I actually work for an international software company and I'm building uh, North America operations. So we have probably 700 employees uh, globally, about 5,000 customers, but we are really new in the U.S. and in North America, Canada, South America. 
So uh, I'm running the team that's building out operations. Uh, one of my primary responsibilities is managing uh, the day-to-day -day operations of the sales team. So as stressful as that can be, um, everyone's remote. There's a lot of pressure in building um, what is essentially a new brand in the US because people haven't really heard of us before. We compete with a lot of the big names in the industry like Salesforce and Oracle, um, IBM. So it's, it's a big mountain to climb. And you've been doing it for how long? Two years now. Oh, only two years. When you said you're in the middle, I'm, that's a that's the beginning. That's not the middle. A second year, really? You feel like it's the middle? Well, I do. I, I, well, I guess it depends on your perspective. Mm -hmm. So I watched Shark Tank, obviously. And I mean, if, if you think about entrepreneurs that are at the start of their journey with mm -hmm. no funding, no customers, no base, we certainly aren't that. But then again, we certainly aren't the behemoth uh, that we're going up against. So, you know, we have funding, um, we have resources, uh, there's stability. I'm not worried about you know, job every day or that I'm going to have to keep the lights on. That worry's not there. It's more about the growth. It's about how do I manage the team? It's how do I make this team a good place for people to want to come and work? And then how do I retain people as well, too? So I see that as being my middle ground challenge, essentially. And you do that uh, all remotely? yeah really um so remarkable. it's getting remarkable you know it's it's changing now so for the first 18 months i mean the pandemic hit us mm -hmm. so through corona and everything that came afterwards uh, i would hire my team i built it so i started as number three in the us we've grown to 18 now so pretty much we've hired everybody remotely um so you have to get a sense of who someone is what their work habits are and how much you can depend on them to accomplish certain things remotely. And it's only recently that we're actually being able to start getting out into the market to not only meet our customers and our prospective customers, but I can actually meet my team face-to-face. -face. Wow. And Tim, where are you located in Scranton? Is your team uh, accessible to you locally or are they all over the United States? They're all over the place. So I have somebody in Boston, as far out as the West Coast, uh, through Chicago, down in so how Texas. Would you, how would you meet them? You travel around the country and meet each person? Yeah, so uh, I had a sales kickoff in Manhattan in uh, December. Mm -hmm. So I brought as many people as were comfortable traveling um, into town then. And then now with conferences and getting who back. showed up? Half your team, most of the team, or what? I'd say most of them. Good. Yeah, most of them showed up. There was a lot of confidence there. You know, there's just this general sense of optimism, I'd say. Mm -hmm. So uh, optimism on the part of the salespeople you hired? or optimism in the market? When you say there's a lot of optimism, is, is it your people that are feeling optimistic? Both, both so, really. So you're doing yes, a so. great job of that wouldn't happen because I can count on one hand, uh, the sales directors of different, uh, all different kinds of businesses who feel that way. Mm -hmm. They don't feel that optimistic. They still feel distraught and disconnected, but you don't seem to be feeling that at all. Where is the trouble coming from? So I'd say the trouble is coming from just staying motivated while being remote. Personal. Um, mm -hmm. Personally for myself and for the team as well, too. So just having transparent one-to-one -one conversations with the team, I'm mm -hmm. finding that when they are locked into their desk and just seeing this all day, if they're not necessarily busy with customer calls or if they're not busy um, with projects that they're working on, they're trying to prospect, they're trying to develop business, it's, it's a challenge to stay motivated especially when there can be so many distractions at home. So mm -hmm. trying to find that balance where someone can stay mentally healthy mm -hmm. and self-motivated is it's the real challenge for me. I don't want to do anything that's, um, I don't know, gimmicky, 
Uh, I want to find something that sticks. And I think I'm really just trying to start with myself first, just to see what works and what helps me. I love the idea you're starting with yourself. Are you allowed to travel in your position? I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just a believer uh, very much, as I could see you are, to lead by example versus lectures don't really make much of a difference, especially with salespeople. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you could get out yourself and take a whirlwind tour and visit every single one of your salespeople and go with them on sales calls for a day. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And it's something that uh, we have started to think about. So that's definitely on the agenda. You know, if you were to schedule that and do it quickly and say, here's, I just want to confirm everybody's going to be around then. I could switch a couple of dates if you want. But here's my, just announced, here's my agenda coming out to see you guys. And I want to accompany you on sales calls. The second day I meet you, you spend two days, two days, two days. I'll tell you, I think that would do more than anything else. It puts like a fire under people. First of all, the boss is coming. You, as lovely as a boss you are, you're directed. I could see you're very focused and well-directed. Um, but even as importantly, it would make a hell of a difference for you on a no number of levels. First of all, it gets you out moving, which is healthy. Okay, gets you to personally uh, create a bond with them that you can never do online. You can't create an emotional bond with anybody over, over a, a Zoom call. I don't believe, especially people you didn't know before and you don't know these. These are your men. These are your women that work for you, you know? And so you get that emotional bond going. But more importantly, you've sent a quiet message to you ought to be out all the time. Just like me, I'm out. You ought to be out. Who's your client? What do you have lined up? I think that one motion would do much more than bringing people to New York, which I think was a first great step. I'm amazed that more than a half came because a lot of people are reporting to me that's not the case. But more than a half came sounds to me like you probably did a pretty good job at motivating them to come and probably did a pretty good job at collecting a good group of people together. But I don't think you're ever going to plant your flag at the top of that mountain unless you have personal contact and rubbing shoulders with those folks. You know? And do you need to recruit other people? I do. That's always the, the goal is definitely recruitment. Do you, if, do you need to recruit people? Let's say you have one person in Boston. Could you use a second person in Boston or do you need it in Philadelphia instead? I'd say probably more importantly, Manhattan. Um, so we do need more in the East Coast. You do need more in the East Coast. Well, most of the businesses. Okay. What yeah. can you do proactively right now? Uh, to draw people in. It's such a tough hiring market and sales hiring is so competitive right now. Uh, but these are newbies that haven't been in sales before you're hiring that don't They're know. Not. They're not. They're seasoned uh, enterprise sales, uh, software oh, sales are. people. Even harder. How did yeah. you recruit the people you have? So we have a great internal recruiting team. Uh, but what I've also Plus. found success um, with is just referrals. So, uh, and actually one came from a conference that we attended in uh, December in Utah. So the very first in-person conference uh, that we sponsored since the pandemic, uh, since everything opened up. And uh, you're right though. So the one thing you said about, you can't really get the measure of somebody over a Zoom call. I think that meeting with this person face-to-face, -face, chatting with them, explaining uh, what our passions are as an organization and what we're trying to do really helped. Mm -hmm. Could you advertise or offer some kind of seminar to a targeted audience to recruit in that same trip to say Boston? Well, you know, you're going to interview a few people the second day. You need to save the afternoon so you could interview people the second day. 
Yeah, something I hadn't thought of, but that's a really good idea. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, because everything good comes through referrals, I find. So, you know, you, you kind of get a cold call once in a while, that's phenomenal. But yeah. usually referrals are the way to go on quality people. Who could you tap into to make referrals to you? So it'd probably be a LinkedIn uh, network that I have. Um, so probably people that I've worked with previously, um, connections in the industry, even current past customers. I often would leverage them. Uh, who, who are your best salespeople? Maybe you can tell me who they are so I can reach out and have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. um, what could you offer as a lure to attract them in? I know, for example, this wouldn't apply to you, but just so you know the idea I'm going after here. Uh, when I wanted to really build my company fast and there were enough warm bodies around or capable people to hire, I decided to just run these seminars, everything you want to know about a career in real estate. I attracted probably 60, 80 people a night. Mm -hmm. Out of a bunch, they weren't referrals. Probably three were potentially good people. But I had to get through 77 to get to the three and I didn't want to interview them. So when they came in the door, I had the people that looked good sign up with a pen I'd hand them the pen. The people didn't look so good signing in with a pencil. They didn't realize it, right? In hindsight, I should have used black and blue ink. It would have been better. But, <laughs> but the beauty to that is I had everybody calling. They were, wow, they really wanted to work for me. Not everybody, most of them. And I just would look at my sheets. They weren't in pencil. We'd fill the job. We'd fill the job. Sorry, we'd fill the job. <laughs> but I had to cast a wide net and have a gimmick to lure them in. I'm wondering what gimmick you have to lure in people that they'd be curious that would get them more at, in mass or in groups coming to you. Anything? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, there's monetary gimmicks, uh, of course, but I think that people could see through that pretty quickly. Um, maybe just more the lure of, uh, I don't know, God, that's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer for you on that. Mm -hmm. I good bet you can come up with something. I probably could, but I love the idea of an in-person uh, recruiting seminar because then you could just target um, ads, uh, LinkedIn, um, certain levels of seniority, hoping to recruit these people for in-person conversations or presentations like you mentioned. I love that. I'm sure that there's something I can uh, explore. If, if you're well-funded and, and if you have the budget, uh, you might be able to uh, figure out who's a guru in that space, who they'd really like to listen to and do an online, uh, well, I like the idea of in person, though, get your hands on them, you know, something about getting your hands around someone's better, right? Yeah. But I could picture using a lore of a great speaker that they have an interest in, or a subject that's near and dear to their heart, how to build you, you know, I, I can't tell you what that is, I'm not in your business, but mm -hmm. where are their pain points that they struggle with, your own people, and then mm -hmm. have a seminar for them and the other people, in that city and have your salesman, I keep saying Boston because you'd mentioned that, the guy from Boston, let me hear from so-and-so right now. And this, we got this speaker, da, da, da. I, I gotta believe you could make something juicy to drag out a, a couple of capable warm bodies and referrals. You know I why would... I like that idea for you, if I could say you're a good looking guy, you have great charisma, you'd be a great speaker, I could tell looking at you and the, listening to you, you're very well directed, and you have to be on the outside to shine. And you're locked up in that room, even though it's nice to have that electric guitar and that cool carpet. The fact of the matter is keeping you inside a day is a loss of a lot for a guy like you. Yeah, I agree. I have to get out. And that's one of the big challenges that I think I face personally as well, too, is I developed a comfort zone in the last 18 months of being locked in this gilded cage, I guess, yes. and just finding ways to push myself beyond my comfort zone, which is basically what I've had to do my entire career, working from the bottom. 
and just creating my own opportunities. And now just getting back out. And my wife would love to hear you say this because I'm sure she probably gets a little sick of having me at home too. I'm sure she does. Every woman does. Oh, absolutely. But uh, especially when that gets too loud. But, uh, you know, definitely getting out and meeting with people. It's, it does the dual, serve the dual benefit of not only having good, impactful conversations with customers, but better recruiting conversations as well, too. Absolutely. And I am in firm agreement with you on that. Tim, let me ask you, you have how many salespeople? Um, so we have eight right now. Eight. So if you were in the to, US. If you were to travel two days a week, one day to get to know the person, the other day for sales calls and or recruiting or both, hopefully, you would it would only take you like two months to meet every single person that works for you. And and let me tell you something. If you've got the illness of not going out, all you people do too. Yeah. People only emulate what they see. And if you tell them your struggle with getting out and how happy you are, they're gonna get that lift and be very similar. Yeah. So it's that lead it by example again. Yeah, I mean, it's not a rocket science. Of course, it's an old cliche, but it's really, really true. Yeah, right. absolutely. I'm not worried about you. You just gotta get off that fat ass and get out there. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a good kick in my ass, Barbara. And All right, good enough. There. And you'll ask your wife if she agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she will. Congratulations on your enormous success. How you were able to do that at home, hire, train the people, get them productive and be keeping a job and being happy with it is amazing to me that you're able to do that. I can't imagine what you'll accomplish when you get on the outside. I can't well, imagine. That's a goal. Yeah. That's a goal. I appreciate your time today, Barbara. Thank you so much. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.